But I do like, you know, Nico said, you know, Mean Green Mother. I think it's just, you know, a play on like, you know, like motherfucker, and, but you know, couldn't say that. Wow, but, Candy, you went almost two hours without saying that. I know, I, I have to get my motherfucker in. I always say motherfucker at least many times during a show. But I, so there's my motherfucker right I there. I feel like there should be like a chalkboard behind you that's just a tally. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, because no, Rob's the one that pointed out to me that's my, my keyword, and I'm like, oh my god, I do say it all the time. <laughs> My wrists? It seems to be a sudden general explosion of mass homicide. final girl let me guess you were tied up no just handcuffed a little (laughs) (laughs) and i'm dave offense of real chain link (laughs) (laughs) and this is the house that screams tonight we are doing something a little different we're doing the 1986 frank oz directed little shop of horrors um that's definitely a cult classic uh we have erica wright I think I need a root canal. I definitely need a long, slow root canal. <laughs> yes. Nico nice. Does this look anatomy to you, punk? <laughs> <laughs> and our special guest tonight uh, is the person who requested this for their 21st birthday. It is my spawn. This is Ronnie. Happy birthday. Look around. folks deserve to die. <laughs> Happy birthday. Yes. And Ronnie's going to start out our conversation tonight. What do you have to say about Little Shop of Horrors? So, I have been a fan of this movie for many a year. And there's also a really stupid, funny story about this. So, one of the first times I saw it, I was—I always was very impressed with the Audrey 2 prop. I always thought it was the coolest thing in the world. But um, I always was obsessed with why it was shiny. And as a kid, I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, it's water, you know, whatever. And then I get older and, you know, I start getting interested in sex because I was a pervert. Mom can answer this for you. You're not a pervert. (laughs) Basically, I spent far too much time on the Internet. And then I'm like, and I'm like 15 and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, they're just covering it in lube. And I thought it was lube for like years. as like my own stupid joke. And obviously, I know it's not, but that was my stupid joke about it for, like, years for some fucking reason. Yeah, uh, Nico. All right, so the first time I saw this, I think it was when it um, actually hit VHS, like, shortly after its theatrical release. And I remember my, my sister and I were, like, just fucking, like, enamored with this movie. It was just something about it that 
it just worked like the the musical numbers were like very catchy and easy to kind of follow along and you know for us like you know we had seen rick moranis and in a couple of things prior to this but this was like the first time like he was like i mean obviously ghostbusters like to me he did this was lewis tully from ghostbusters and then to see him as as this character as seymour and then the fact that he could actually sing was was such a such a like holy shit like this guy is like completely talented and then you got the rest of this amazing cast with ellen green as audrey um you know uh vincent gardenia as a uh, mr mushnick um of course my my favorite character in the movie is steve martin as the dentist like i mean i think there's no other i think everybody can agree on that way he for for the, for the little bit of time that he's in the movie he steals the along with bill murray by the way the, yeah. the two of these comedic geniuses in that scene is fucking worth the price of admission alone for this but steve martin has the best song in the movie and the best like actual musical scene i think in the movie is the the whole dentist scene by yeah, far absolutely but but flawless. this movie's this movie's fucking just like magic from start to finish i i love this movie i can't i can't stop gushing about it oh i never will um dave uh, before we get too far into it, I just wanted to, uh, uh, you know, uh, mention that all good things spring from the mind of Roger Corman. If it wasn't for Roger Corman, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have this movie. We wouldn't have half the episodes that we've done, uh, or and two thirds of Mystery Science Theater episodes probably. If it wasn't for him and his right. brother Gene and his wife. So just again, Roger Corman is again the grandfather of all things schlock, and I love him so much. But I think uh, talking about Rick Moranis's uh, role in this, how he makes it look so effortless and you have to remember how he came up in SCTV and improv him and Bill Murray and Eugene Levy and uh, John Candy and a lot of the actors in this and, uh, and Christopher Guest, it, it, how much, how uh, much work and how much talent it takes to make it look effortless. And that's what I, I think particularly the ones who came up in the improv uh, world um, of SCTV and early Saturday Night Live, they just make it look effortless, but it's, but I don't think it's effortless at all. But I think that's their talent and genius. And that's the Rick Moranis in this particular. He just makes it look, even the way he sings. I mean, he's got a great singing voice, but his singing is is not quite as polished as Ellen Green's. And I think that plays to his character. He's kind of a schlub, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just it's absolutely brilliant. There's so many I, I could go on about this movie all day long, and I will. <laughs> yeah, and if I can just jump in for a second. Um, Going back to Orange Scrabello DDS, um, I loved Steve Martin is one of my favorite actors. He just has such great timing. I love even movies that people don't like, like Bowfinger and stuff like that. I just really think he's is fucking funny as hell. Just sometimes it's just a movement he does. Mm-hmm. And that part in the dentist song where he comes out and there's that pause. He's like, cause I'm a d-, and he does that like sort of like <laughs> dance move that I can't reproduce right now because of my back. But that, that just that little movement was fucking just genius. Every little piece of that was genius. And I love how you can see him trying not to crack up because Bill Murray ad libbed all his shit. Like I love when he's like do 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 do, you know, doing all this shit. <laughs> you see the parts between him and Steve Martin because he made it hard for Frank Oz to get a coherent scene with him because he kept ad libbing stuff. And you can see Steve Martin trying really hard not to laugh. Yeah. And, and then he has that that little line real yeah. quick where he's like 
when he's like goddamn sicko yeah <laughs> right after. But you can see him trying not to laugh so they're cracking each other up and and you know that just translates so well and this movie when it came out um 1986 i was seven years old and it just appealed to me as a child even there's mm-hmm. something about it because this is a pg-13 film there's something you know you got the horror but you've got this great music so i used to do that I was already in vocal training back then so i would sing stuff like uh you know ellen green was just really somebody i really looked up to at that age and i would sing like her parts like you know some of the screen stuff to do to do warm-up before i had to do a performance and you know as a child so this this definitely had a, a an appeal to children and we'll have to talk about the the the, the original ending to this at some point okay uh erica okay so <laughs> Embarrassingly, I have seen this movie in its entirety until like yesterday, as it turns out. I had seen the original 1960 film, um, seen bits and pieces of this. But, okay, story of my life, this movie looked like super fun. I was obsessed with it as a kid. My parents wouldn't let me see it because it was, it was PG-13 and I was like, I don't know, six or seven years old. I, some Somewhere in that ballpark. So... <laughs> But I did talk them into buying me this uh, toy or, or game that has the plant, and uh, you had to like carefully put marbles in its mouth to feed it. And if you if it snaps shut on your hand while you feed it, you lose the you lose the turn. And yeah, thank you. Uh, had it and I actually played it. Yeah. Yeah. Now now that stupid toy is worth like serious money if it's in good condition. So it's like, well, yeah, of course I got rid of mine a long time ago, but. I thought that plant was the coolest thing ever, and I used to draw sketches of it in my sketchbook when, like, school was boring. <laughs> yeah, it was, there was something that was so fascinating, and that was the, one of the beautiful things about the 80s, was that they had stuff that wasn't necessarily for children, but mm-hmm. it was so appealing, and they did sort of market it toward us. That's why I have, like, Jareth, the Goblin King on, was another movie oh, that was maybe yeah. not so for children, but it was for children, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I still consider him Boner Man because all you can see in that movie is his crotch. That is all you can see. Wow, we made it less than 10 minutes into this conversation about talking about dicks. There we go. That's kind of a record. New record. New record. Although, I have to say, as an adult, I do like the Steve Martin Dennis character the best. Like, the plant's super cool, and it's like. Uh, an amazing example of animatronics and puppetry of that time period, and it still holds up. But um, the Dennis character just cracks me up, and he's just like Funny. he's just so wrong on so many levels. And <laughs> so I, don't know. I think yeah, yeah a lot, a lot <laughs> yeah, of when you break down the were... lyrics to these songs, they're actually really fucking dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, and uh, so the version I watched was the um, the original ending, the director's cut one. I had to look up the ending for the theatrical version just to compare the two. Um, so I do prefer the darker one. That's just, but that's that's kind of who I am. I like oh depressing yeah. ending where literally everyone on the planet dies. Yes. I'm like I'm like fifty fifty. I'm fifty fifty. <laughs> so now we know Eric is all about Empire Strikes Back versus Return of the Jedi. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm Empire Strikes Back versus Return of the Jedi. I always yeah, have I, I thought that was very much that. Yeah, yeah. right. It's, it's why I like in the mouth of madness. It's like, yeah, everyone dies. Literally everyone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, not that. Oh, no. <laughs> we like these apocalypse movies. Um, Nika. So it's actually kind of interesting that, you know, because I'm sure the comparisons are going to happen slight between 
this horror musical versus the other horror musical that, that was also a huge cult. Yes. yes, with Rocky Horror. So I actually saw this one first. I didn't see Rocky Horror. I, I think we discussed it on that show until it actually came on Fox, like in the '90s, for that for that very first time. So you know, I I didn't like I, I knew of it, but I didn't realize like they were very similar in tone as far as like they they took inspiration from like those '50s you know sci-fi B um horror yeah. movies and you know kind of flipped it on its ear and, and gave it like this this well what if it was a musical yeah and then you know i and i and i think that you know both films are are very effective in you know kind of getting like their their point across as far as like they're both cult classics they weren't really appreciated too too heavily like when they first were released and now they're both very beloved. I mean, even the fact that I'm sure you guys are aware there there actually was a remake in the pro, in the works for yeah, for, for this one, yeah. which, like, which no, you know, Dave already said that, that. Please. Which it was. I was reading it now. Was um, uh, Scarlett Johansson was gonna play Audrey and I heard Lady Taryn, Gaga was gonna play Audrey. I heard that too, uh, but I it was like. But it looked like it was actually going to be Scarlett Johansson as Audrey Taryn Egerton that played Elton John in the Rocket Man movie. He was going to play Seymour, and He's Chris got an Evans. Amazing voice. I love Rocket Man. And Chris Chris Evans was actually selected to play Orin Scrivello, the DDS, the the dentist. But now but it's actually been scrapped indefinitely. Martin, how can you, you measure can. it? Nobody can. Nobody can. And to, speaking of, to kind of piggyback off what you said to um, Steve Martin is. Just fucking, he's a national treasure. The men's comedic gold. I mean, he, he could just sit there like stone faced the whole time, and I'd probably crack up at mm-hmm. some point. You know what I mean? And this was weird for me as a kid seeing him with black hair because yeah, I think I, you know because well, let's like, be honest. Since since we were all kids, that man has had at least gray hair since we were kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I think he, he, like, he went like the jerk. Right. I think and like that was he went. The year pre- I was born, nineteen seventy nine. Same. same. <laughs> Same, but he huh. went prematurely gray. It looked like, right? Was that was that what happened? Yeah, on? I think it's like a genetic thing. And then to kind of, um, you know, also piggyback off what Erica said, the special effects of the movie still hold up. I mean, they, this, this is this this movie in particular, and you know what too? Like we talk about like good remakes. I don't think this one gets mentioned enough because I think people don't realize that there was an original black and white '60s version. Yeah. Even though Jack Nicholson was in that movie. Yeah. As the Bill Murray character. Yeah, but say as but, the Bill Murray character, yes. Right, but like the, you know, this this movie is also a case along with like American Werewolf and the thing, practical is better versus CGI. This this right here. In this are just yeah, top notch. Just just Audrey two alone is like it still holds up. The the plant never looks fake. Thanks. You know, even with Nance, uh, I'm sorry, Ronnie saying that, you know, it looked lubed up <laughs> and shiny, but, you know, and also too, just real quick before, before I, I stop talking here for a second, this was also my first introduction to um, Tisha Campbell and to Tina Arnold, who would later go on to be in what, House and Party and Martin, yeah. and then everybody hates Chris, but this, this was the first time I got to see these two in their, in their roles, which was kind of cool. And and the Greek chorus, which is actually, if I was going to play a role in this, I would be in the chorus, the Greek chorus, because they're the best singing parts, the best role, I think, honestly. Um, they were just cool as shit. Yeah. I believe you have something to say, Ronnie. But um, the, the whole lube thing, it was literally just the fact that it was so <laughs> shiny and, like, it looked 
gooey. Like, if you touched it, you couldn't, like, grab on it. That was the only reason I thought that. But that was not why I wanted to talk. So, the whole thing with Seymour's voice. Um, I, my mom and I, like, sing musicals at each other all the time. Almost this is a popular time. one for like, us to this, sing. This one specifically. My song is Skid Row. Yes. But there's a great song. song. But there, one of my friends, we sing... We sing one of Seymour's lines back and forth at each other because we both also really like the movie. And the thing is, my friend is notorious for saying, I don't know. So I would go, I don't know. I don't know. I have so, so many strong reservations. Like, we, I, I, we could just do the whole bit. Can I just say, too, I, I don't I don't think there's a person in this fucking country that has not seen this movie that when they're hungry, they don't sing, sing to their significant other or somebody, feed me, Seymour. I, I don't think yeah. that, I mean, everybody does that as far. I know people that, like, don't watch horror movies that have seen Little Shop of Horrors and say that consistently when they're hungry. Yeah, most people would not consider this a horror film, but it is actually a horror film. It's just it they kind of schlocked it up and, and polished it, and it did quite have quite a budget. Um, now, as Dave was saying, and I just want to say this really quick before Dave um, speaks, um, we've talked about Roger Corman before, and I respect him, but I don't like him because he said mean things about Mystery Science Theater that I don't forgive. We're not talking terms, but he's like one of those Lovecraft types with me. Like, I don't necessarily like his work, but I like the work that he inspires. Oh, sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, Corman is really good at, like, putting some garbage out there, but it inspires these wonderful (laughs) things. Like, I do not like the original version of this film at all. Mm. It's, It's kind of, you know, it's just got that Corman cheap feel to it and everybody's like oh it's jack nicholson's first role i'm like that's fantastic but it's not a great <laughs> film like this they took it and i love that it was off broadway you know and and, it, and that it i mean it was running from like 1982 up until you know close to the time of this and i love that they did give the the role to ellen green who did play audrey on stage during that entire production off broadway because they were going to do a lot of big names like Sinclair, <clears throat> Madonna. And I'm like, no, it had to be Ellen Green. She owns that role. Like, yeah, she owns it. Time, oh, that's the only time that that had happened where the Broadway star reprised it in the movie up to that point. Yeah. Yeah. It, just didn't, yeah. it just didn't happen back then. Yeah, and um, on that, go uh, go ahead, Dave. Well, I was just talking about, I wanted to go back to the dentist scene again. It's, it's <laughs> the, the with Bill Murray and Steve Martin. Maybe the funniest scene that's ever been put on film. Yeah. You know, by human beings. Oh, but before we go, I want to. We talked about Roger Corman and all the um, what he's inspired. Not to mention all the people he's inspired. So many people that worked for him yes. have gone on to to uh, do great things. So I think that's part of his genius. But so uh, so yeah, we we talked about how Bill Murray apparently ad libbed all of his lines, which isn't surprising. But um, mm-hmm. one of my other favorite comedies of all time is Kingpin. And I had the DVD at one point and I love that the Farley brothers do, do great director's commentaries. Their commentaries are always very engaging and funny. And they were talking about Bill Murray and how he would come on set and like they'd hand him the pages for the day's shoot and he'd look them over and go, okay, great. And then they said that he would just do whatever the fuck he wanted. And it was always better than <laughs> anything they had ever written. It's like whatever Bill wants to do, let him do. That's just how brilliant he is as a, again, it's because of his experience in improv and stand up. He's just, he's such a quick mind that he, he can always do it funnier than you thought it could be done. 
And I think that's a yeah, testament like, to him. Even down to like the way he's sitting in the, the waiting room chair. Yeah, his feet up. He's, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's kind of like crouched there. Right. And that's probably just that's just him doing it. That's just out of his mind. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just like part of it. He gave that character like such a big thing. And it's just this little cameo. But it feels yeah. bigger than it really is. Yeah, if you, if you blink, just, if you blink, you miss it. But right, if you right. notice it, it adds everything. And I just still laugh out loud at that part. You know, when he's back there, make candy bar, candy bar, and then do 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 do. I'm like, why that noise? I love when, he you, when, he's, when kills he's done me. and he spits the little cotton swabs out of it. He goes, "What's wrong?" Just the what way I he do. says that. Oh, what's the matter? Or what about that moment where he, when he's drilling and he puts his hand? And he's like clutching. Oh, he's like, he's like gripping him, like almost like, like orgasmically. He's gripping him. In the middle of like love making, yeah. you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> so we get yeah we yeah. get a little insight into what it's like to be in bed with Bill Murray there I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and yes! do you know how hard it is to to really upstage Jack Nicholson? I mean, I think only one other person has done that with with a performance that he's already created would be Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight as the Joker. Yes, but yes. I mean, the fact that Bill Murray is. That, that, that's a very short list to be on, just Bill Murray and Heath Ledger, to only be the only two actors to really do a step up from what Jack Nicholson, of all people, did. Like, that's that's yeah. really saying a lot. Yeah, I mean, he just owned it. And, and Steve Martin, you know, he had a bigger role, but it still wasn't a huge role. And he owned that shit. And there's, you know, people love Oren Scrivello, DDS, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's just I. What I love, I just like the little things, like when he pulls up on his motorcycle, but it looks like he landed there. Oh, <laughs> and, and it just stops perfectly. Like, just yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you just fucking die. You laugh out loud. You want some of this? Uh, that's okay. You know, and you know what's great about this movie too. You know what's great about this movie too is like this is this is one of the movies that like really proves that that um. That that old Hollywood phrase, there's no such thing as small roles, roles only, only small, small actors. actors. Yes. This oh, movie yeah. is the epitome. And speaking of, of which, let's talk about Christopher Guest, that tiny little role. I mean, that's Jamie yep. Curtis's husband, but I was thinking yep. of him as a fingered man from um, you know, Princess Bride, where he Princess had a bigger Bride. role. But this when he walks in, that's a strange and the way the voice that he has. Oh, yeah. I cannot what a strange and unusual plant. You know, the smile he has, you're just like, I almost. And he doesn't blink. He like doesn't blink. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's wild. I mean, even even John Candy in that in his cameo and and Jim Belushi, like. Like I I, I, I challenge like any for one moment. (laughs) Right. And I, you know, I I think I challenge any, um, any aspiring (laughs) actor that is like trying and not, not even just for, for my own film, but like for any film to actually watch little shop of horrors and fully understand that like these people, and these are big time people. And even back then, a lot of them were still big time and look at the size of the role that they had. But especially them, because they were all fucking huge stars. Right. And this, this right there, proof to any aspiring actor that listens to the show look at watch little shop of horrors and look at the fact that even like john candy and steve martin and bill murray christopher guest and jim belushi even even tisha campbell and tachina arnold look at the size of the roles that they played they're not in it as much but they take the ball they run with it they make the most of their screen time and for that like they're memorable because they 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 were like okay well let me get into the mindset of the character they got into the mindset of the character and they own the scenes I mean especially Steve Martin I think more than anybody in this movie let me back off that for a second like one of my favorite performances I love that it still feels like it's on a stage 
is one thing. Yes. That's really hard to do. Um, because I, I love seeing a play, and it still feels like we're watching a play, even though we have some location shots and stuff. It still feels like a play. It's very claustrophobic. But when they're doing Skid Row, even the, the, the performers there with the choreography and the, and the singing, those characters even have you know, sort of like just like a backstory almost a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. where the food is slop, you know, the cabs don't stop. And, you know, just, you know, from what they're singing and just, yeah, I mean, you, they're all so in, individual, you know, they, they stand out. Mm-hmm. And even to kind of, I guess, to kind of piggyback off what you just said, Skid Row itself actually is a character in the movie mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of, it feels like like a living, breathing essence throughout the film where even when you know they're indoors you still feel like you're you're in skid row because of the size of the apartments and you know even like the scene when you know um she's um having like like that that dream sequence with her and seymour are married and have their kids and like how it's like that that true like 1950s like idealistic you you still feel like skid row is like lurking behind that house it's like the other side of the fence so right. like right out of Better Homes and Gardens magazine, as she said, right. it feels like that. It feels so artificial. Yeah. You know. Just that's why I picked that opening line where she sings uh, "A Fence of Real Chain Link." It's funny, but it's also sad. It, it, she's it is. Dreaming yeah. about the, she's dreaming about the perfect life, and what she's dreaming about is a fence made out of chain link. Like that's an upgrade from where she's from. Yeah, you know and it mean? is. It, 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 it's point. It, it's adorable, but it's kind of poignant and sad too. And, and then if you look at the lyric for "Suddenly Seymour," Ellen Green's character is really quite tragic in this film, and in the mm-hmm. uh, and the original ending too. Um, yes. Her, her lyrics yeah. suddenly. Which Seymour, we need you know, to talk about the original ending. I'd like to hear what you have to say, Erica, because you saw that first before you saw the theatrical. What do you think about it? Uh, yeah. I I prefer that original ending, like. I, I guess I can kind of see why uh, the studio felt it was too dark, or maybe test audiences didn't like it that ending. Test audiences. Of, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, I thought it was perfect. It became more of this cautionary tale. It was more, it had kind of a moral to it, more than just having this artificial happy ending. And um, also the fact that at that point, uh, Seymour has murdered people to further his own career in essence yeah he has all these justifications along the way but it's it's like well do you want him to get away with it necessarily (laughs) so i mean there's in the the original ending there are consequences for him but then i like that global horror where the entire human race might be devoured (laughs) yeah and there was a lot of really detailed miniature work um you know that that looked really good just like the special effects the puppetry um The, I mean, it still looks fucking good today. It really does. And and just what I've seen, um, I've only seen like clips of the original ending, but it looks fucking amazing. It like is. with swallowing the train, you know, picking up the the bridge and and all that. It looked really fucking cool. But I like dark. But there was something, you know, because this film is so firmly rooted in my childhood that I've loved it since then. That there was something in me that you know I, I'm a little Pollyanna sometimes, and I just you know. Seymour and Audrey, neither one of them really had too much going on in the brain department. Yeah, they're not the brightest. But you you rooted for them, and you wanted them to have some happiness. You know, so that's what they made Seymour more likable and 
less of a murderer and you know like oh it, it i didn't kill him he, he was dead so i went ahead and fed him and mr mushnuck he was trying to like uh, watch out you know like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. i was gonna say seymour doesn't actually kill anyone no right Although he does go to the dentist's office with the intent. With the intent. With the intent he does. Yeah. yeah. But, but he, but he, like pussy, he, but he pussies out. But on the topic of endings, um, the thing is, I actually have never seen the, the original ending myself. And she, it's her she, she, and she told me about it. And uh, the thing is, like, as a kid when I was watching it, I've always loved the dark endings of things because I always liked the morality, the the, the idea of morality and the warning and the, basically the warnings, the horrors of the future. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I, my mom told me about that, I was like, oh, I've never seen that. That'd be really cool. And, like, the thing is, because I, I feel like constant happy endings give people a false sense of, like, what a future should be, give them false things mm-hmm. to strive for. Like, whereas, everything's got to be happy. Yeah, know, whereas, like... It's not always like that. As a matter of fact, it's almost never like that. Yeah. Whereas, like, the, the dark aspect of everything would actually, I don't know, feel like it would bring some de- some more depth to the characters. And I feel like... I feel like I, I like the idea of, like, Seymour actually going through with it and becoming, like, genuinely evil and basically letting the world get devoured because, like... I feel like if you constantly just have everything be, oh, this is great, and oh, this is whatever, you know, that it's just, it's gonna, I feel like it makes media very stale in a sense. Now, this movie itself doesn't feel stale, but I'm saying that the fact, the idea that there always has to be happy endings is very stale to me. I agree with that. See, I, I, I would actually have to go with the opposite. I think the theatrical. Um, ending works better for the overall tone of the film. I agree because with that. Because the I, I I actually I actually owned the director's cut Blu-ray when it was out when mm. it first came out, and this was actually the first time I think that people had were able to publicly watch the original ending yes. in full color with Frank Oz approving the actual remaster of that ending because he had initially wanted this mm-hmm. as the ending anyway. Um, and honestly, like it it kind of it, it almost like the movie almost goes off course i i feel like with that ending like it almost kind of it's almost like a different feel like the the ending it doesn't really fit the rest of the movie and i can kind of see why audiences didn't particularly like that ending i mean i don't mind dark endings and i don't mind like you know not the, the good guys don't always have to win like hence we're talking about empire strikes back that that's you know or even infinity war to a degree but I think for this movie, the theatrical ending works a lot better in its favor. Like it kind of just flows more narratively. I, I think with with like the actual because I mean the right yes right because it's I mean at, at its heart I mean it's it's a horror movie yes but it's it's like a sweet goofy lovable you like you say you root for Seymour and Audrey to kind of have the happy ending and then when that ending happens and you see what I'm like you're like what the fuck like it's cool to see because I mean if you you know and 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 I did find it Ronnie so I'll put it in the chat to to send to her for you but I mean I I do like the um the original ending better i think the well the theatrical ending is it wrong to root for the alien plants to have a happy ending? exactly is Don't it wrong deserve. to root for the villain what's wrong <laughs> no 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 not at all because you know i love i love scarface and i love I you know I, I love the villains it's just just the way these characters were built they were so sweet and yeah, i just wanted I them to be together <laughs> and that was you know seven-year-old candy but i mean 
41 year old candy kind of still is a little bit like that a little sometimes i mean i like my dark obviously i'm into horror and i, I like to be scared and i like some dark shit but i wanted this to happen so i i'm with nico i like this ending better yeah it, it just fits the overall tone of the movie and that, that's just my opinion I, I think they made the right choice with the, the ending that was actually released in theaters and uh, dave well, it's funny that you talk about the happy ending for the plants. And one thing that struck me about the, uh, the original ending, the added back in, is that the plants are really having a great time at that, that ending. They're just, I mean, the one that's on top of the, uh, the Statue of Liberty is just like, woohoo! Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a scene where one of, uh, one of them comes up on a factory yeah. smokestack and blows down, you know, and there's like cheeks puff out and it blows the windows out of the factory. I thought that was really creative. That was cool. I was going to mention that. Yeah, there's a lot of cool work done on that, but test audiences were like, no. Well, well, so that interested me. So I read something today that Frank Oz said that he thinks the reason it didn't do well with test audiences is because it was a film as opposed to a a play, a stage play, Mm. where even if they die at the end, they get to come out and take a bow and you get some, okay, (laughs) where in movies you don't get that. Right. That that was his take on it, which was interesting to me. But um, I, yeah, I don't know which I prefer. I, I thought the original, the um, the ending where the plants win, it goes on for a while. It's like, okay, I get yeah, it. I get it, I get it. It seemed like it went on a little too long. It was a little showoffy, kind of like look mm-hmm. what but we the can do. They had like, quite a budget for this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was like five million for twenty-five that. million um in general. But I think they spent five million on that a closing sequence alone, and then had to yes. scrap it. That's a you know that's so that's twenty four. That's, 20% of your budget, you know. Right, right. Um, I think I prefer the original. It's a little more uplifting. You do root for for Seymour and, and, and Audrey to make it. They, they're schlubs, but, you know, they've both been kicked around so long. Right, know, and we get that in suddenly Seymour moment, and I think that's a beautiful shot, and just the way that they did it, in a very simple kind of stage, it and plus, like plus, like, the, the nerd gets the girl, too, in the end. right. And she's, you know, when she's talking about kind of her trashy life, which we kind of, like when she's like, well, where I was wearing cheap, tasteless outfits, not nice stuff like this. <laughs> like, well, I don't know if that's what you call nice. Um, Ronnie, you had something to say? Um, so it's not like I never wanted to root for them or anything. If anything, I actually rooted for them the whole time I was watching the movie. But the thing is, is that... To me, I'm seeing a lot of parallels between this and a, and a manga series I've been reading a lot. Where basically, like, you know, it's presented very lighthearted and, like, the tone is very similar. But the thing is, the, the series ends up getting very dark. And I very much like that because it still had its light moments, its funny moments, its enjoyable things. And I feel like this movie could have been the same because I, because I feel like it would have presented much more of a variety in viewers. And I feel like with um i feel like with all of that that it would just i don't know i feel like while yes the movie is memorable i also feel like i just might have liked it yeah i have something to say um we've talked about how um the oscars i'll get to you in a second erica um we've talked about how the oscars uh snub horror films all the time and that would have officially made it like in your face horror although it is still technically a horror film it's a little bit more lighthearted and because of the, you know it being more lighthearted it did get you know like it was the first uh levi sub singing mean, mean green mother from outer space was the first um song with profanity in it to ever get nominated for best song and you know like props to that 
I mean, this actually had some Oscar nominations. And if it had gone for the darker ending, they would have completely excluded it. I mean, that that is a fair point. I mean, I, mean, I, I just can... wanted to point that out because the Oscars hate horror. Like, like Tony Collette should have had like three. I mean, she she should have gotten one for Hereditary. Absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely. And why was Midsummer like or Midsummer? Excuse me. Midsummer. <laughs> Hearing that it was pronounced like that made me feel like an asshole because I was saying Midsummer the whole time. But Midsummer um, got snubbed, and those were fucking brilliant films. Well, like yeah. we talked about on the Get Out episode, I mean, Jordan Peele only got the Oscar for writing only because it was the Consolation Prize that he Yeah, I feel they, like it was like, yeah a Consolation yeah. Prize exactly yeah. like that. But, you and know, that was why, like, they kind of were like, "Oh, Hair Shape of Water is your best picture," even though, yes, it's a horror movie, but it's not fully. It's more it's of like a like a romantic. Yeah. Right. It's more of a of a dark fantasy. I I, I would like to think, yeah. but yeah, as long I as mean, I get it. Horror out of the title, like they did with Silence of the Lambs, we're gonna make it a thriller. Psychological thriller. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's really a horror film because ask any horror fan, those are the people that like fucking Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. And this mm-hmm. was so marketable. And it was, you know, with this, especially with this ending, that they were able to overlook the darkness. People like to just bury their head in the sand about that. And But I love Levi Stubbs. He's a fucking legend. was in the four tops, you know, and just yeah. held it as Audrey and did. I don't, I don't think, um, I don't, I don't like for the remake, they said Billy Porter was going to do the voice of the plant. I'm not familiar with Billy Porter, but I, I don't um, think um, that Billy, I Porter, who Billy Porter. Is, yes. But I don't. I don't he's think. I don't think. Subs, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say there's. I don't think there's really anybody now that could even come close. No. To given that that plant that people much. people I could think of are now not with us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I like even now, like I'm trying to think, like who, I, like I even if you were gonna do, my head, you know, yeah, like dead. Like I mean, honestly, like the only only person that if if the plant's not gonna sing, I could see maybe Tony Todd. Yeah, but Tony mm. Todd doesn't sing. Tony can't, can't sing. sing. Yeah. I mean, well, maybe maybe he does. We don't know about it. But I mean, honestly, like I'm even thinking now. Musical. <laughs> right. But I'm even thinking now, like I mean, of R&B singers that are around now, like I, I can't see Usher doing it. And Usher could sing his ass off, and I love but, Usher, but, but I don't think Usher could do that. Too. No. The weekend. I love the weekend too. The weekend can't do he this. He can't do it. Yeah, we really don't have anybody uh, no, that could fill that role, and Levi Stubbs just really killed it. Um, what a fucking performance, and you know, Oscar-nominated performance actually, so pretty fucking awesome. Also, uh, the, the first uh, song sung by a villain, I think, to be nominated for an Oscar. Yes, well. no, no. It, it broke a lot of ground. Uh-huh. Yeah, but they weren't ready for it. No, but you know no. what? But the, the fact that the nomination, people would say. Oh, well, you know, it's just an honor to be nominated. Sometimes it is because you're breaking ground. You're trailblazing for other people. Hey, later on. Not, not for nothing. You know what? If it wasn't for that song having profanity in it and getting nominated for an Oscar, Eminem years later wouldn't win it for um, Lose Yourself and then 3-6 right. Mafia right after for It's Hard Out Here for a Bam. So, yeah. you know, yes, yeah, Little Shop of Horrors did pave the way for this, for that to happen. So we have to acknowledge that, you know, and I think that um, that's another what a fucking performance just with your voice you know to be able to just to use your voice and give that kind of performance just if we just took everything else out and just listened to that voice i would still get that that same feeling of audrey too yeah, big, i would love to see uh, i would love to see like the behind the scenes footage of um of him in the recording studio like, like actually the, doing yeah, exactly. because i feel like he got so animated in that that recording session like doing like that character yes 
Well, one thing I'll bring up since since Ronnie actually has it, I have one too. Is the fact that like all this merchandise and the piggies backs off that uh that that uh, board game that Erica had, but the fact that Funko actually released like a whole line of Funko Pops of Little Shop of Horrors. Um, I mean, and that's saying something for a 1986 film. You know, yeah. it's a cult classic. I mean, obviously, it's not something like on Rocky Horror level where you don't have that much following, but it should. I really, I would go see this fucking every um, Saturday night. I, you know what, though? But I, 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 but I, but I feel like it's kind of close to it. I mean, very, very few movies can can kind of you know come out kind of be modest because this was a modest hit when it came out yeah. i mean it made it made its money back but it wasn't like what they were thinking it was going to do but i mean i mean the fact that like it's it's you know almost 40 years later we're still talking about this movie and it's you know it's it's gone on to have a life after after you know vhs and hbo i think are like were godsends for a lot of movies in the 80s because had, well, the 80s know, was the time to really i mean we got right. a lot of cult classics from them because we were able to view them in the home that's where i saw it is you know my mom brought it home from the video store and I was yeah. I was enamored. I mean I literally I had the tape of the soundtrack and I would literally do my vocal warm ups by singing Ellen Green's parts. I mean Ellen Green's always going to be one of my fucking singing heroes. What a voice. She fucking was amazing yeah. in that. Yeah, but I mean the fact that you know there's there's people still love this movie. I, and you know there's there's another musical and it's I know it's it's so like it's so polarizing too. That they actually do midnight shows. I know they do midnight shows for Little Shop of Horrors. I know it's up there with Rocky Horror with certain places like they have a shadow cast, and they acted and like Grease Two is another one that it's yeah it's it got, now getting a huge cult following because it, it, it was it does universally hated. It was so hated. So well, you know what it is too is the fact that Michelle Pfeiffer's first movie. People love Cool Rider as yeah. like the ultimate Grease song, and the fact that like it was kind of reversed where like you know the guy had to impress the girl this time like fully when she's like the tough badass and she never changes if you notice versus how in the first movie Sandy changes to become more like Danny. Which I never Michelle liked Pfeiffer. about that. Yeah, I thought oh. that was stupid. I'm always like, Michelle, nah, I would have been like no, 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 you either like me for who I am or you can fuck off and he was a complete dick to her. Exactly. But Grease is another topic. Yeah, that's, right. that's a but, different but, topic. But, but Michelle Pfeiffer's character never changes. Just like yeah. in this movie, Seymour never changes. He's the same from the beginning as he is yeah. to the end. Just with slightly better clothes. Yeah. that's that's really it i mean he's got a little bit more more confidence i mean again who knew that this movie paved the way for guys like bill gates to get laid but whatever right <laughs> and, and rick moranis really had a, you know that this was the kind of roles that he got but i think this is probably the juiciest role for him because he actually um, like, i mean i'm just saying at that time period because you know he was the guy that looked like he never had he was still a virgin you know what i'm saying there's there's the one other role there's one other role i would challenge you with on that one for him okay one other role and it was right after this one which one dark helmet and space balls he was really cool on that but I, I he mean, fucking I just, owned that he did but i just like i really love him particularly in this one because he just comes off as sort of like this like guy i'd be like oh my god fuck off but he's so endearing he's very sweet bless you and um he and he doesn't look like you know when you first start singing he's kind of like talk singing but then he really hits it and you're like oh my god this dude can sing Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't expect that i mean he surprises you in so many ways and just like you know with audrey you wouldn't think that she would give him the time of day but she's daydreaming about him i mean they're just so endearing 
together and and you know and to see more kind of like yeah like you said he stays he stays true to himself but at the same time it's like he gets cooler in a way uh dave and also one thing that links uh seymour and um audrey they're 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 both victims of abuse yes you, you yeah. look at i mean um audrey it's a little more obvious although i had to parse it out a little bit more but like i said if you read the lyrics of suddenly seymour she says, what, um, daddy was gone and mommy was poor, something. Yeah. So she thinks she deserved to be smacked. That's why she's like, yes, doctor. Yes, doctor. You know, it's funny. <laughs> Sorry, it's not, doctor. But, it, but it's not that funny, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but, not but also, that funny. But also, but also, Seymour is a victim of Mushnik. I mean, Mushnik comes across like the kindly father who took him in, but he only keeps him around because he's really good with plants. Yep. Yeah, he doesn't pay him. And he's he, like he basically keeps like, him locked in the basement. He only and he only keeps him around because yeah. he's good with plants. And and, and, and in the fact, song Skid Row, you know, gave me a bed, crust of bread, and a job. So he thinks, like so he thinks, he thinks slob, he, which I, I am. Yeah, he thinks he owes him. In fact, <laughs> and that's what ultimately kills Mushnik is his own greed. You know, he's like mm-hmm. he's becomes you know the scheming. You know, and he falls into Audrey's mouth. So I think it's interesting that they're both victims of uh, parental abuse. Yes. Yeah. Which, which, this, so this movie's got a, some dark undercurrents going in it. So I'm uh, saying, there is, this movie's actually a very dark film. It actually really is a horror film, but it's done, you know, with jazz hands. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Well, like, I think, I think it's, it's a trauma. Jazz hands. Spare fingers. Spare fingers. Horror fans, we're sensitive to that stuff. I think mm-hmm. we look for that. And it, it, it's more obvious to us than maybe people who aren't as steep in horror as we are. We look for so that like, maybe my psychiatrist could talk to me about that. But why is it that, <laughs> that we look for that darkness? Yeah, but I mean, it's it's there. It's just um, some people, and I think it's the people who want to overlook it that have more problems than the people who recognize it. I mean, I've been in fucking psychotherapy since I was. 15 years old, you know, like I, I kind of have a little bit of a, a peak. I, I know, I know what I'm talking about, but yeah, it, it's, it's, um, and it tends to be, you know, like your horror fans who love this. Cause there are people who are non horror fans that love this film. But, um, your well, the music fans, is yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just like, a, we, we were just listening to the soundtrack when we were doing our fucking makeup and shit. Like we, we listen to it all the time. We were, oh, definitely. The other day we we're having a bad day. We put it on, you know, cause it's like fun to sing. But there are just and so many, thing- Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I wanted to talk about one of my favorite shots as far as cinematography wise, and I know that's usually not my bag on the show, but um, there there are some great shots. And when they're singing, I really love the crescendo, you know, towards the end of Skid Row because I really think that's just a masterpiece. The way they, you know, the choreography, the singing, everything. But when he's going and he hits that fence and they're climbing the fence singing back at him as he's like let me get away out of here and they're like you know and they're singing sort of the chorus of the skid row song like you're never gonna fucking get out of here they're gonna it was a dark moment and it was beautifully shot and it really gives me the chills because just everything clicks well i mean it doesn't it feel like it's like a sense of pressure like a genuine sense of like i'm never gonna get out of here like yeah like i feel like it's like a genuine literal sense is in like the intimidating life of poverty that he has lived is never going to go and as away. we all know poverty and i've i've been i've lived in poverty mm-hmm. um more than once and i know how hard it is to get out mm-hmm. and it is it's almost impossible to and then so it sort of symbolizes all those people you know and he's like up against this fence and there's nowhere else to go it's this claustrophobia feeling and the way it was shot and just the, the choreography of them climbing up the fence and singing back at him like you're, you're fucking fuck dude 
<laughs> you're stuck here. <laughs> and then and then the fact that they kind of end up on the same like hinges of the same corner singing, Audrey and Seymour, you know, that it also adds to that claustrophobia, that cycle of poverty, that that trapped feeling that they both have and they're both doing whatever they can to get the fuck out of there. And it that's beautiful and it's also haunting. Really well done. And and heartbreaking a little too. Yes, yes it is. But I, I kinda like wanna I'm sorry, go ahead, Erica. Oh, I'm sorry. I just had a really funny joke I was thinking of. Remember from I remember I can't I forget which Freddy Freddy movie it is, but remember where the map says we're fucked. That's six. Oh, <laughs> that's Freddy's dad. We, we, the the map says said, we're fucked. We quote six a lot. I know everybody shits on it, and it's I know it's not a it's masterpiece, not great, but, but we quote it all the time. Well, it's the map pretty says fucking we're terrible. <laughs> That line is funny, but the movie is just utter shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it eventually. Uh, we'll yeah. get Candy, I want to I want to touch on what you spoke about with the, with the music. I think um one thing that sets this movie apart from say like Rocky Horror because Rocky Horror you know they're again they're they're very similar as far as you know this this square guy and girl and this alien from outer space kind of you know yeah. interferes in their life and it's a musical. I think the difference between um, this and Rocky Horror, besides the actual like plot of the movies, is the fact that Rocky Horror has different styles of music for their songs. So like Richard yes. O'Brien was touching on the different um, genres of, of music, where with mm-hmm. Little Shop of Horrors, it primarily stuck to like the doo-wop and fifty style, mm-hmm. yeah, like like that style. Time. Like even like Dentist, when like we were making fun of the fact that you know the motorcycle just comes out of nowhere. Even when the actual intro, uh, introduction to Dentist happens, it's him on his bike yeah. with the hair blowing yeah, and the whole... Like, that's like know. that 50s, like, greaser-style type of, like, rock song where, you know... Right. But the whole movie is pretty much, like... The whole soundtrack is, like, doo-wop, basically, yeah, or, like, Motown-style. Really which I thought was was um, pretty brilliant to keep it, like, one specific, like, tone. Have different styles of, of you know, have different, you know, vocal sounds to, to obviously... You know, reenact the, the music for chorus, it. You know, Michelle Weeks, uh, Tina Arnold, um, uh, Tisha and Campbell. Tisha Campbell. The, yeah, them singing. Um, they all, you know, were named after girl groups from that time period. You know, Siobhan, right. Ned, yeah. uh, Crystal. Right. Um, and so, and they're always, you know, I like the part where he's like, oh, quit loitering. Like, are you loitering? I'm not loitering, you know. But then mm-hmm. next thing you know, they're in these glorious, like, beautiful outfits. Oh, yeah, they, they're right. sort of outside the reality of the film. They, they're, you know, right. They're just kind yeah. of telling the story. But in fact, in when it's raining, group, they don't even get wet. When it's raining, it seems that they yeah. just, I, 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 I always just love that. They yeah. exist outside the reality. Yeah, it kind of makes me think of like a Greek chorus, you know. Exactly, and that's what they're, they're referred to is the Greek chorus, yeah, like like the muses from Hercules. Right. Yeah, they're yeah. just the Greek chorus telling us the story, and you know, like how they put them in the film. But you know, we get this like beautiful, glorified version there in every song, showing up as as little characters singing the songs, you know. And so they're really telling us the story, and that's why I'm like. You know, as a kid, if you'd asked me what role did I want to play, I would have told you, Audrey, no hesitation. <laughs> but now I would want to be one of the chorus because they're really, really important and doing them so well. And then everything they sang was sort of in that doo-wop kind of early 60s girl group sound right. that had that glamour to them, like the Supremes. You know, it was just gorgeous. Yes. And it's it's like that doo-wop R&B, even like, you know, Seymour and Audrey's is very R&B infused, believe it or not. I, I think especially with the fact that, like, you know, with, with Levy Stubbs being in there with the four tops, like, you can just tell, like, like the vibe was there. Yeah. 
yes for this and i, I don't know i i've always and i'm like i love that movie like i said I'm like i know the soundtrack even even with dentist i get like very like r&b infused like just like that old school r&b kind of like dion at the time you know what yeah I mean? right like that's 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 like the vibe that i get from like the soundtrack and it, it just completely works for this you know for this movie it fits the tone it fits you know like the characters i think it's just brilliant that that this was the way that they chose to like actually portray like the the move the music in the movie and i think it worked i don't think i don't think it would have worked any other way like if it was like if it was like like a like a like rocky horror style or a phantom of the paradise style type of movie i don't with the music where it went to like the different genres or the rock of ages or whatever it was that they said, I don't think it would have worked for this. And I think the movie would have fell off the rails quickly. Yeah. I mean, I think it was important and that's what makes this a standout horror musical, which we don't have too many horror musicals. And that's what I'm always really happy when we, you know, when we talked about raggy horror and now we're talking about this, you know, like that we acknowledge that, Hey, there, this exists and it's an awesome thing you know if you're into music and you're into horror like i am like i'm like ooh, yeah does, does hard rock zombies count <laughs> no god hard rock zombies counts as a way for slow suicide can i can i tell you all a secret real quick that nobody knows sure yeah, please do initially but when i when i had to come up with the idea from my from my script one idea i thought i was like what can we do that that's different besides what we ultimately ended up doing um one idea that i really was toying with was actually making it into a slasher musical that but, I, awesome. but i but i honestly well, i don't know how fine. to write well i don't know how to write lyrics i don't know how to write do, music I like do. that but i don't I, I don't think it's i mean Dave, let me know about it. Let me do I, that. i don't think it's gonna fit now only because I'm like not, especially not i like a later thing like literally I, I learned how to play guitar just so i could write music and um when i was younger so like i could, i write lyrics all the time so, I, I i legitimately like be, because of little shop of horrors because of rocky horror picture show and because of repo because like all all three have a huge what we need to do. they all three all three have a huge cult following so does so does uh phantom of the paradise like all four really have a huge like cult <laughs> just... following but it's one of those like they, they're not appreciated right away. It takes like a little while for them to kind of. So you know how like we talked about American Psycho and American Psycho has like was an instant cult as soon as it came out. Yeah. And it's still going strong. That like these are different. These had to these had to these actually take their time. Burn. Right. Especially you know with, with Rocky Horror, it took like what like ten years for it to really become like the the cult phenomenon that it is now. Yeah. We're a little shop, I think, as as kids, like we were the ones as kids that propelled this generation to cult that, did it, that made it. Yeah, cult. we we did this. A lot of the movies, like like you said, from the '80s that came out, we are the like us here are the ones that propelled it, so that you know, like your daughter now knows about these movies and watches them religiously and loves them and understands them and understands why we love them so much. Is because we grew up on them and we understood there was something special about these movies. I mean, I know like about you know being at a certain age. I mean, I went through it with my children. Um, like her, you know, she had her movies that she would just watch over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And when you're a kid, you do that. So this was one of mine. Watch it, rewind it all the way. Watch it again, rewind it all the way, watch it again. You know, and that's it's something about you know these kids. That's why we have so many cult classics that we're doing because we were that age where we were watched shit like 20 times in a day, you know? And also too, like we had the benefit, and I'm sorry, David, let me interrupt. This will be the last thing before. We also had the benefit of having 
a VCR growing up. Yes. Like, like, like our generation had like our VHS. Generation that we were able to continuously watch these movies on repeat. And, you know, our generation was the one that had cable fully. Like a lot of our, you know, we grew up mm-hmm. on HBO. So I think, I think a lot of the reason why a lot of the eighties movies in particular kind of live these long, like fruitful lives is because we had means to be able to watch them. And even still, and watch you know, them over I mean, and over. Right, and Dave, Dave remembers, Dave, remember WPIX in New York, Channel 11? <laughs> and 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 uh, Channel 9 and Fox 5 before, like, it became, like, one of the majors. They would show these movies on constant rotation that we, mm-hmm. they were always on, whether it was a TV version or not. We were still able to watch these movies and keep them going and keep them alive. Whereas so I think my that's, mom, when she was a teenager in the 70s, you know, when she wanted to watch Night of the Living Dead again, she had to wait till the midnight showing, you know? Right. Right. Well, you know, now, when they show the horror movies at the midnight showing, she'd be like, oh, there's Night of the Living Dead again. I need to go see that again because yeah. she couldn't watch it at home, you know. But now, like, your your kids can just go online and watch it and watch it streaming, which is, yeah. like, the benefit of this. You know what I mean? But, like, you know, you're welcome because if it wasn't for us really making these movies into what they are now. <laughs> So yes, it was because of us. I, I, I'll, I'll take full credit. Our generation is the reason why all of these, credit. all of these are still alive. Yeah. Dave. Just real quick, I, I feel the same way. This is one of those movies again that I watched. I introduced Zoe to it, my daughter, and we would watch it. We would sing to it. We would dance to it. We'd love. She and I would love watching this movie again. This is one of those ones that I just remember us, you know, watching it, rewinding it, watching it again. I think, I think her mom would be in the background going, what the fuck is my husband doing to my daughter? <laughs> you know, that, but uh, yeah, I, I, that, that's another reason I love this movie so much is because I got to bond with my daughter over it. Yeah. It's just so much fun. It's great music. It's funny, but it's still dark. And, uh, yeah. Uh, it's really it. got everything. I, I, yeah, I love it. And it's got a lot of great comedy. Oh, definitely. You, know? you and I laugh about like I can't, in movie I can't all help the every and the million times I've seen it, it's never not funny. <laughs> it's always I, funny. You know, I, I I think that um you know anybody once everything because I mean it looks like everything is starting to go back to normal now where we're able yeah. to start doing more. I think I think that that somebody that you know like one of those um, shadow casts that do Rocky Horror like for a midnight screening should maybe consider doing a double feature with Little Shop of Horrors like as like the prelude for this and and getting like like the crowd amped for when Rocky comes on at midnight I I, I think that that would be like the perfect double feature. To, I think so to do, too. To do at the late night things. double feature picture show, you know. Right. I mean, a science science fiction double feature. You got both. They're both very science fiction as well. <laughs> Um, so I guess, um, anybody else want to share anything before we do reviews? Yeah, one more thing I want to talk about is, I want to talk about Mushnik's character just real briefly. He reminds me, he reminds me a bit of my father. My father was raised, uh, a Jew. Okay. And so he had a lot of the same inflections. You know, you're listening to this God. He does that sort of all the time. And so at the beginning, I, you, I wanted to like really love the Mushnik character, but as the film goes on, like we talked about, he, he actually is kind of a dick. Yeah, you're not sad when he's supper time. And and, then that part of the film made me a little bit sad because at the beginning, he reminded me a little bit of my dad, who wasn't a dick at all. And he turns out to kind of be this, you know, he's he's just materialistic. He just wants his, he's willing to keep Seymour locked in the basement with this carnivorous plan as long as it uh, furthers his business. 
So yeah. that, 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 that always uh, affected me a little bit. I was a very conflicted with that, with Mushnick's character. Uh, the Vincent Gardino, by the way, what a great actor. What a great... Yeah. He was in like Death Wish 1 and 2. Yeah. Along with Christopher Guest, who I think was in the original Death yes, Wish. Yes, Christopher Wasn't Guest was in that, yeah. yes. I love Vincent Gardenia, but yeah. Oh, and I, I loved him as, um, I think it was, he was Cosmo, right, in Moonstruck as well. I, I, I loved him in yes. that. Yes, yes. And he's My really good as. I saw that way too many times. <laughs> and I loved, I loved him in the Super with Joe Pesci as his father. Yeah, he was so great. Yeah, he's he was such a great. He's a great character actor too. Like he can really get into the role. And like kind of, I, I wouldn't say he necessarily chews the scenery. Of my my fans, he he has a full on buffet when he's on. Yeah, you know, when he's I on mean, camera. He makes his presence known. He definitely does, and you know he he's a very memorable. You know, he makes very memorable characters in these in these films, and they stick out. I mean, even now, could you, who could you see really playing Mushnick when when the remake eventually happens? Because he I does can't the see... he does the body mode. You know, yeah, the like every yeah, thing. like he gets he emotes, and which is key to an actor, he emotes. <laughs> and his face, even though he has like, and I and I love him, God bless him, but he's got like like that old man bulldog face, like the way he, he emotes, yeah. like 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 Walter Matthau. Yeah, you know, he's got like that old. Catcher's glove, like bulldog face, <laughs> and I love Walter Matthau. And he, like the facial expressions alone that the both of them can do, are genius. If you don't learn that, that's that's just you're just born with you, that. You either have it or you don't have it. Yeah, and those, those two had it. Those two had yeah, it. Definitely. I, yeah, there's no one I could picture in that role. I'd have to really think about it. Now, when they were saying like when they were talking about a remake, I don't know if they're even gonna do it. I was not excited until they said Lady Gaga as Audrey, which I could totally see her doing yeah, that role. I can too. And she's a phenomenal actress for her very first, you know, feature role. She got an Oscar nom for A Star Is Born, which I watch way too many times. Um, I love Lady Gaga. She's a personal heroine of mine. I think she's super fucking talented. So if they were going to do it and her, put her in the role, I would fucking watch it. Like also, too, do you know? But before they, I, they said, I like we'll, a Star Is Born. I will watch it as many times as I want to. Be, just, just real quick about Lady Gaga too. You know, you know, initially she was rumored to be um, Ursula in the live-action Little Mermaid before, yes. before they went. And I, and I, I don't, I don't hate her, but I think it sees a little bit much. Before they went with the with the safe choice of Melissa McCarthy. As, yeah. as the character. I think Lady Gaga would have fucking owned that role had oh, they have just had but the balls to do it. She does. That's what I love about her. She's unapologetic and she just owns the shit. Whether she's singing, whether she's, you know, composing, whether she's acting, like she fucking does the damn thing. And you're right. I, I had heard initially that Lady Gaga was supposed to play Audrey yeah, in the I was remake, but then that. can you see her as Audrey? I can actually there was there was two other people that were mentioned first. Um first it was Josh Gad and Rebel Wilson were gonna play Seymour and Audrey. That was the first, and then and then it wouldn't have worked. And then Lady Gaga was like the heavy favorite to play Audrey, and this was right after A Star Is Born. But then I think that's around the time that the um the Ursula rumors were starting with her for for Disney, mm-hmm. and then now it was um uh, Taryn Edgerton and Scarlett Johansson. I guess that that was almost official with the, with Chris Evans as as Oren, and I don't I don't think that would have worked, and, I, and I'm actually kind of glad they canceled it because I think yeah I don't I don't want this to be remade. If you put Gaga in there, I would give it like I would give it half a chance. But and again, um, ironically, this is a remake of, of another yeah, film. We're talking about you don't remake this remake, but I don't like the original. Right. I really don't. I I just I like I like the work that Corman inspires in others, so I got to give him credit for that. 
Um, he definitely has done some interesting things. He's broke a lot of ground. He's helped a lot of people with their careers. Mm-hmm. And I give him lots of credit for that. But, you know, he's kind of an asshole. Um, so <laughs> we have to admit that. So that's, you know, and I don't necessarily enjoy his work. I like it riffed on MSC3K. Um, but, like, when people, the people's love for, like, Humanoids of the Deep, I'm like, that's a garbage film. It is not <laughs> even a good garbage film. It's just garbage. Thanks. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this this remake, it, to me, it is Little Shop of Horrors. Like, to me, I don't even think about the original film anymore. To me, this is the film. And I, of course, saw this first. I was the kid. And then later on sought out the original, and I was, like, really disappointed. Um, because this movie delivers on everything, and that movie was kind of like, yeah. and it's it is, it's only like loosely based. I mean, we, this is more based off the off Broadway interpretation of that film, and which would you know, and it, it was only like loosely based. They took some ideas, and then they really like zzzed it up. You know what I'm saying? Like it was pizzazz. It was, and, and not just because it's a musical, but because they just had some better ideas. They took, you know, some some base work and then did better stuff with it, I think. And I like that it's, you know, credit to Off-Broadway, you know, because it's hard enough to get on Broadway. But Off-Broadway is has tends to have more shit that I like theatrically, you know. Um, and on that note, let's go into reviews. Of course, I'm going to go first. And hopefully we can um, get a good trend going here. <laughs> So you know where I'm going to go with this. I have to give this 10 out of 10 Mean Green Mothers from Outer Space. Um, This was a very influential film to me as a musician, as um, an actress, as, uh, you know, just somebody who likes horror, somebody who likes musicals, somebody who likes, you know, this had everything. And I like comedy, too, because we we also talked about in, in earlier episodes how horror and comedy go well together, but you have to do it just right. And everything is done just right down to it feeling like you, you are actually watching this on a stage and that's hard to do that's what they did in like the 40s and the 30s a lot of those were plays and they felt like plays like you're just watching like a really nicely shot play you know very claustrophobic which worked in its favor I'm, I'm just I just I could go on forever and ever honestly um, but yeah I love the darkness underneath the pizzazz that's everything I want you know the dark you know, but we also have, you know, some choreography. We got some music. We've got, you know, some awesome acting, uh, great moments, great just cinematography, great fucking effects. That that I mean, every time we watch it, and we watch this often. Probably in the last three months, we watched it like ten times. Oh, we, we watch this on heavy rotation. Um, I, I just have to say, you know, like I'm, I, every time I look at Audrey too, I'm just like so impressed with how fucking good it looks. And it's there's no computer. I mean, it's, it's all animatronics and puppetry, which was Jim Henson's son, by the way, doing that. Um, you know, great voice work. It's just everything. I mean, it looks so goddamn good. And uh, so, yeah, I can't give it anything less than a perfect score. So 10 out of 10, Mean Green Mothers from Outer Space. Uh, Nico, I believe you're next. You know, ironically, but before I get into my review, um, there's a company called Shark Punch out of Canada that just released a special Audrey 2 t-shirt today for 24 hours only. Oh, I hate when they do that because I'm like, I'm really broke yeah. 24 hours. I just put my money on other things. Like, yeah, I don't have any money. And they're only, I think, I think it's only like, like $13, all my money on if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm sorry, it's T-Villain. And it's and oh, it's only $13. Okay. Yep. I don't have and, $13. And it says Phoebe on it. So, ironically, there we go. 
Um, of course, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, give a ten out of ten. Finance, uh, our financing basically our our makeup line, so you know yeah. right now. <laughs> so I'm gonna give it a ten out of ten. Uh, Orange Gravello DDS. <laughs> um, this this is um this is pretty pretty. This is actually perfection. No, there's there's no other way to put it. There's there's not one shot. I'm scratching my head or questioning the logic of the characters. Um, everything just flows. The soundtrack is fucking phenomenal. This is one of the few that actually rivals Rocky Horror. Yes. With with the songs, um, in in every way, shape, or form, the whole doo-wop R&B infused. Everything about it just works. I just love it. The uh, Rick, no, Rick Moranis, Ellen Green. Of course, Steve Martin as as the dentist. I mean, I don't think Bill Murray is the sadistic or gasmic fucking um, patient that's that's <laughs> getting off on. That is what gets me. Yeah, I mean the fact that he's like stealing the equipment on the way out just to <laughs> just to get a, a rush, you know. Warren calling him a sicko. <laughs> yeah, goddamn sicko. Um, and to to kind of mirror what what Dave said, uh, Vincent Gardenia was fucking great as Mr. Mushnick. Christopher Gash and Belushi, John Candy, we didn't talk about enough, but like, yeah. goddamn, he was yeah. amazing in this for like the whole two seconds he's in the movie. He he owns that scene. And again, I want to I want to stress what I said earlier. There's this movie personifies that saying there's no such thing as a small role, only small actors. Everyone takes their ball. They like run to the you. end zone with it. Right. They shine. They, they take the time to shine in this movie. Every single character, including the the day players in the back, the extras, are just as important as Seymour and Audrey to this skid row. Looks yeah. fantastic. You Like you said, it has that claustrophobic feel, but like it feels like a living, breathing essence throughout the movie. And even when you don't see exteriors of skid row, you still feel its presence. You know it's still there. Yeah. Um, and of course, the, the true, the, the, the you know, two true MVPs of the movie is uh, Levy Stubbs is the voice of Audrey too. I mean, I don't, I don't think it gets much better than that. And the, the Jim Henson company for creating that, that amazing puppet. I mean, that still holds up all these years later. And of course, of course, we can't forget Frank Oz for having the balls to do this movie. I mean, Yoda himself fucking did this movie. How crazy is that? He must love the color green between the Muppets and this and <laughs> Star Wars. And then he's being green, but somehow for Frank Oz, it's dirty it job, but only he can do it. But yeah, 10 out of 10. Or in, I mean, I honestly, I, I can like you, I can keep going on and on about this. There's so much to I mean, say. T- Everything's great. T- Tisha Campbell and Michelle Weiss is the Greek chorus. I mean, fuck. Like, I mean, where, where do you? It's perfection. Just fucking stop listening right now and go watch it. But listen to the books first. <laughs> And then watch it again. And then watch it again yes. right after. Erica. Oh, yeah, my rating uh, system might be a little similar to Nico's. Um, I have to give this a split rating based on the director's version versus the theatrical version. Okay, so yeah. the theatrical version, I was um, going to go with 8 out of 10 masochistic dental patients. <laughs> and uh, the director's version, I'm going to give a 10 out of 10. Um, and that's my bias. Like I, I kind of get the feeling that people who grew up with that theatrical version probably feel more nostalgia for it, whereas 
uh, you know, I finally saw the movie in its entirety, but I saw the director's version, and it also kind of plays into my own biases of things I like in movies, so maybe it's my misanthropic tendencies, but I, I really liked the dark, unhappy uh, ending <laughs> that the director originally intended. So, and also, like, it was such a special effects, like, extravaganza in that final scene, even if it did go on a bit long, <laughs> like yeah. I, Dave said earlier. But, um, yeah, I, I really loved that one. It was, like, funny. The plants are just having this great time. But in, in both versions, like, the music's so catchy and infectious. It's like you just have to watch it repeatedly. Like, I watched it twice in the last 24 hours to hear the music again. Um performances are fun the movie has a ton of heart um i really don't have anything like bad to say it even the 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 theatrical version i'm not obviously eight out of ten isn't super negative i just um i just felt like it was maybe a little artificial um of, of a happy ending so that's kind of my only like point doc there but yeah it's really great film can I just jump in real quick to kind of just clarify, just so you know, too, I'm not sure if you know the, um, and I'm sure Daniel Candy knows this, the off-Broadway um, show, the, the the musical, the ending was actually the original director's ending. The plant yes. wins on, oh, the, yes. on the stage, on the yeah. stage uh, musical. Okay, that's I did. actually how it ends. That's yeah. neat to know. So maybe I, I Ellen was Green was happy to see, you know, <laughs> happy to live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the theatrical one. And also, that is a very... Um, environmentally friendly ending it's green you know <laughs> so you must have liked the happening yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> <laughs> the plants will come after us i have to like keep my eye on this guy now keep an eye He's, he was looking watched at succulents they did throw us the little bone of like when they go into the house the, yeah, the, the, little... the little house that that mm-hmm. you know um audrey was dreaming of there's the little plant smiling at us and then we get that yeah. little shop of horrors theme song you know <laughs> right. that, that is there's a little throwback of like hey this wasn't the original ending yeah, yeah. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. Exactly. It's not over yet. Uh, Dave. I, I'm gonna I, I I'm gonna give it ten out of ten. Uh, weird chained up boxes because I wanted to talk <laughs> about that that real little brief scene in the waiting room when he's waiting to go talk to uh, uh John Candy's fantastic character of Wink Wickinson. He has a weird, weird. So he's got those like people waiting, and those one it's like an old woman. Holding this box wrapped up in like I always ask like, I always ask you like parchment and it's like, like chains, on that right it's got like chains around it with a padlock and that's always been like what is in that box you know you know me I want my backstory and that was always my favorite bit of this movie yeah we we always like theorize I'm like well maybe it's just that you know like she found it and like, I don't know we come up with stories didn't they say like it was a dead body yeah in she it. said like you know it's part of a dead body <laughs> the old lady is smiling. She like yeah. looks out of the box and she's like, yes, yeah, she's does. I just love that. So yeah, ten out of ten weird chained up boxes. Um, I love it. the music. Infectious is the word. I think Nico said it was infectious. Uh, I cannot listen to this soundtrack without like wanting to get up and jump around. It's so great. Um, yeah. I, I, everything about it. The way the, the the puppetry is 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 amazing. It's unbelievable to think that this was done without CGI. It was done, you know, it was all practical. You know, they did some uh, visual effects. They slowed down the puppet to make it look, when they played at a regular speed, it would, you know, look fast. But still, absolutely amazing. Love it so much. I don't really have an opinion on the original ending versus the uh, director's ending. I love them both. Um, they both have their, 
their points. I, I yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, ten out of ten. Uh, Erica. Yeah, so this isn't really an add-on to my review, but I kind of wish I had asked everyone's opinion about this earlier. Um, so apparently there's a debate about the gender of the plant. <laughs> you all have an opinion about that. I mean, I'm like, it's a plant, guys. Yeah, it has a male voice a and a female name, but I just think it's it's an it. It's just a plant. It's its own. You know what? It's, it's an alien. Yeah, but right. but yeah, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. If if we're going to really answer and it needs a gender, the name of the song is Mean Green Mother from Outer Space. That so that should answer that. it right oh, there. Because okay. then, Transplant. <laughs> yeah, because it has, you know, children. It did reproduce. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're going way bad, yeah, that tends to be like. Uh, Unless it was asexual, like the Godzilla <laughs> remake in 98. Yeah. So. Yeah, like some plants oh, asexually reproduce, so I mean, it, it right. could be like completely gender neutral, or it could be yeah, non-binary. Yeah. I, I don't like labels. Male plants, so I, don't know, I was kind of curious about what y'all thought about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, just, a I just feel like yeah, it's, it's just the plants asexual reproduce and yeah. you know, it probably had sex with itself and then made its babies. So. No, I, I know it. the one guy took plant clippings uh, or leaf clippings from it to make new ones. So <laughs> I think that's a great symbolution. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, but I do like, you know, Nico said, you know, Mean Green Mother. I think it's just, you know, a play on like, you know, like motherfucker, and, but, you know, couldn't say that. Wow, but, Candy, you went almost two hours without saying that. I know, I, I have to get my <laughs> motherfucker in. I always say motherfucker at least many times during the show. But I so there's my motherfucker right I there. I feel like there should be like a chalkboard behind you that's just a tally. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, because Rob's the one that pointed out to me that's my my keyword, and I'm like, oh my god, I do say it all the time. It's a good word. She knows. She lives with me. Really I say motherfucker. Everybody, like, motherfucker. It's like your favorite fucking word, man. Motherfucker. Yes. It's <laughs> mean green motherfucker from outer space. Uh, yeah. Um, Ronnie, your review. Alright, so I give this um, 10 scatterbrained women out of 10. <laughs> what a scatterbrain! <laughs> Christ, what a scatterbrain! Fellow the bike! Yeah. Yes. Sorry, Doctor. This whole movie, though, um, so there was actually a time when I was younger and when I was first getting into like being an artist and making paintings and everything, there was actually a time where I debated about getting into like special effects to like make props like Audrey too, because I thought that the movie was the coolest fucking thing. Like I was always obsessed with the plant itself and like it wonderfully holds up to this day. And everybody, whenever, whenever I talk to like um, people my age about CGI and stuff, and they're always like, oh, CGI is so great. I'm like, no, because I, the thing is I can watch it. Because your mother raised you right. Because I can watch <laughs> virtually anything with fucking CGI in it and be like, I can, I bet I can tell you what year this movie's from without even looking. It dates itself. Yes. And see, it's that she was raised right. Thank you. Like, that shit always fucking annoys me. Like, there's parenting. movies and shows I watch, and I'm just sitting here like, this was made from, like, 2012, wasn't it? <laughs> shit was bad. Yeah. We will absolutely judge some oh, CGI. <laughs> there's a show I'm watching right now, Demon Slayer, and they have, like, CGI scenes, and it's fucking anime, and I'm just sitting here like, why are you doing this shit? You have the power of creation, and you're fucking it up. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, anything you want to share about, like, anything else in the film? Or I that- mean, other than just the fact that I feel like 
I feel like without this movie, I probably wouldn't like musicals as much. I really feel that way. Yeah, this was your first big intro to yeah, it was this, this and, and Rocky, Rocky Horror. Horror. Yeah, I told you she was raised right. Uh huh. Apparently so. <laughs> I'm raised a disaster. Anyway. <laughs> well, you come with me, and I'm a disaster. Of course. Yeah. So we just we stick together, don't we? We do. But, uh, <laughs> Candy Junior. Listen. I am my own. I am my own monster. Yeah, we are. We're we're different. <laughs> I am my own fuck up. That is my right. Whatever. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I feel like without this, I'd probably be a much different person because I feel like a great deal of our jokes and a great deal of like our interactions are based in this is what started all the shit. This yeah. is what started like our horror montages at three in the fucking morning and all the bowls of ramen and all the games we played. Yeah very important to our bond you know so has that like sentimental value for us as well so yeah so i guess um since eric gave it two ratings we can call this a perfect score (laughs) nice because it deserves it um and so now we're going to move on to collect i'm gonna let nico go first because he's got a lot to say i'm not going on so we definitely have the Indiegogo going on for Sticks and Stones right now, and we really do have the potential to land a very massive massive horror icon for this, so we really, really need to get the funds up for this, so literally every little bit helps. Donations start at just $5. We have a lot of perks for everybody. We are not going to be releasing physical media for this. This is going to be something we're going to enter into the Tribeca Film Festival next June. We want to get a distributor for this. This is something that needs to be picked up. This isn't going to be your average one-of-the-mill Indiegogo. Like, this is a legitimate thing that we are running, you know, to to run to get, you know, either on Shutter, on Hulu, or, you know, in theaters. This, this is something special. I promise you this is something special. So you can find the links on my social media on also in my Cafe Del Horror. I have it linked. And I have, um, you can find on Instagram and Twitter at El Jefe Del Horror. The Boss. And then we have Sticks and Stones Movie on Instagram, SAS Movie 1 on Twitter, Sticks and Stones uh, Movie on Facebook. And I'll have the links to, to the Indiegogo and to the different um, different social medias that we have. I know we're going to, you want to have to work on a slasher account for this thing. Uh, yeah, I, I will do because that. Because I yes. still don't understand. And I guess um, one of the actresses I'll in the just, film I'll is actually... You wouldn't run it because I run all the all other right. social media right. for everything else, so I'm good. I'm like Darcy, right. the male girl for our show. Okay. <laughs> and um, one of the actresses is actually going to be making a TikTok for us. I don't, I don't understand TikTok, but she's going to be making a TikTok on a Snapchat. So there's that. TikTok awesome. Is, TikTok is great. Okay, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so we're going to... Hopefully, have some other things happening before this episode is released. Um, with that. Oh, and I have to also plug the um, the NAPA Horror Film Fest um, that is going to be the weekend of June twelfth. Clint Howard will be a guest at the show. It'll be a double feature of Ice Cream Man and Rock and Roll High School with PJ Souls. Love her iconic. And her iconic role as Riff Randell. Yep. Um, there's going to be vendors, uh, bands. Food trucks is going to be an all-day event. You can find out more information on NAPAHorrorFilmFest.com. And what else is coming up? Oh, the Mahoning has the um, Keith Coogan double feature where they are showing adventures in babysitting. And don't tell mom the babysitter is dead because I guess the guy really loves babysitting Why movies. Why do I love that movie so much? 
<laughs> I love both of those movies. Especially, I, I think I, I think I Adventures in Babysitting more. And we still quote it. My brother and I still quote Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead. They're both great. They're both really great. But I think mm-hmm. Adventures has like the slight edge over. Oh, Don't yeah. Mom, I mean, it's good. definitely a superior film, but it's just like it's a cult classic. I mean, Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead is like one of those like I'm embarrassed, but I love it kind of films. I believe that's on um, the weekend. Let me just double check so I get like the actual date right. But I want to say it's August 13th and 14th. It's a Friday, Saturday. Yeah, it's August 13th and 14th. Um, I wish it wasn't so far away because I can only make one trip. And it's gonna I know, be I know. And, and we're going to be there for Joe Bob. So yeah, with that yes. I can't wait for. There's a lot of events that are coming up in our area besides that. So there's that's at the, the tickets are available at <laughs> MahoningDIT.com. And PA Horror Con's coming, and Felissa Rose will be here for that. So, And I I think that's all I have as far as I I think that's all the events that I know that are coming up for sure. There's there's so much shit that happens around here. You guys have no idea. Yeah. Such a a big city, but like nothing happens here. For for such a little small town that we live in that like, you know, that the office is based out of, like there's so much shit that happens in and around the area. It's not even fun. It's hard to keep up with. Like Halloween around here, honestly, is like fucking insane. It's so much fun. There's so many Halloween haunts around here. I can you, imagine. We get every weekend you're going ones. to a different one. We so. get decent ones, but you have to drive a little bit. They're usually oh, yeah. out, out of the town, you know. See, some that. some are like that here, but others are like, but but because of where we're at, we're in close proximity to pretty much all of them. Yeah, I mean, they're all a little bit of a drive. And I don't, I don't do haunted houses because I'll go to jail. <laughs> I get, you do. No, I, I, I remember. If you surprise me, I get violent, and they they now prosecute you if you do that. Yeah. And I'd yeah. be, I be, I like, last time I went, they had to, like, throw me out because I punched somebody in the face. Oh. And I didn't mean to. It. I have PTSD, so I got to stay the fuck out of those places. So they go, Wait, and I'm real? like, have a good time. I'll just I feel like you do that to me a little bit. Because there are times where, like, I go to haunted houses, and I, I actually like going to them. It's like a yearly tradition for me. And I remember, I, so I went to, like, Indie Scream Park, and I go into this house, and it's, like, very well lit except for one corner. And I guess the guy was standing there, because, like, I'm talking to my, I'm looking away, talking to my friend, and then I look back, and he's right in my face, and I slapped him so <laughs> Like, he's like, and that's, I don't want to go to jail, so I just don't go. I, I got lucky. He was like, little lady, don't do that again. Go on your way. <laughs> no, they kicked me out. They just I got lucky. the exit and said, get the fuck out. And I was like, all right, don't want to go Real jail. quick, there's something we didn't touch on real quick, and then this will be really brief. I mean, can we uh-huh. give props to Rick Moranis for um, kind of stepping up when, you know, I mean, I don't want to end this like on a dead down, but when his, when his wife passed away, like he literally put his career, he said, yeah, well, I, I'm good children. and raise his kids. I mean, the fact that he stepped up to be That's such a great, you, you know, to raise his parent, like a great to be a great parent to raise his kids. And now he's like starting to show up in things again that they're older and can take care of themselves. He's were, starting to get back into it. Comments about it, like you know, you know, what the fuck's he been doing? It's like, yeah, raising his kids like good parents should. His wife mm-hmm. died, dude. What the fuck? You're an ass. Yep, he like, never remarried. He he always focused on his kids. Yeah, and that's, I mean, your chil- when you have children, guess what? You're not important anymore. Mm-hmm. Your children are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love my kids. I, I dropped, I, I, I mean, I dropped a lot of things in my life because I, I wanted to be a good parent. Well, now that I'm grown, you can do whatever well, the fuck you we're want. Well, we're trying to raise, you get your brother raised, okay? <laughs> hence, hence why you're coming to Joe, Bob. <laughs> uh, uh, Dave, uh, anything to plug? 
Uh, nothing for me. Uh, I miss uh, Shaun of the Dead, of course. I miss uh, Shaun of the Dead, of course. I miss uh, Shaun of the Dead, of course. I miss uh, Shaun of the Dead, of course. I miss uh, Shaun of the Dead, of course. And uh, Mac the All Star and uh, yes. Rob Cinema Drunkie, right? The uh, action junkies. Action miss drunkies. Them. Miss them. Uh, wish they'd been here. I love it. Love this movie, and I love you guys. Mm, we love you, Dave. Thank you for co-hosting with me tonight. You did a great job. Yeah, thank you. It was, it, was, it was a lot of pressure. Thanks. <laughs> you did great. Uh, Erica. Oh, uh, find me at myhorrificlife.com, on Instagram at myhorrificlife. And I also want to uh, mention that Three Marm Brewing uh, and its founder, Andrew Devoff from Wishmaster and Lost and a bunch of other stuff, he is uh, doing a fundraiser, so he wants to raise $10,000. Half of it would cover payroll expenses for the brewery because we've kind of taken a hit with COVID and we want to pay everyone who's put in a ton of work. And some of that might be you know, back pay, but and maybe some would go to some new staffing. But he wants to raise 10000 total, 5000 which would go to the payroll thing. Uh, the other 5000 will go to charity because he wants to give back to the local community, especially um, since a lot of people in that area of California have really been hit hard with COVID and all of the shutdowns. Um, so uh, we have a crowdfunding uh, campaign up. I'm refining it a bit. It, it will be fully going by the time you hear this episode, but please consider donating to it. Also, if you do uh, donate to it and he reaches the $10,000 goal, he will humiliate himself in public uh, <laughs> on one of the, like, on the July 4th festival. So that, that's when this will happen. Um, he'll wear a pink tutu, American flag leggings, a tiara, maybe pink hairspray, <laughs> maybe beard wash, and he'll the serve gin. burgers to people. <laughs> If we work it out with the, the city park that manages the lake and water slides, he may go down the slide in the pink tutu. So uh, but there will be there will be opportunities to embarrass Andrew if we meet our ten thousand dollar goal. So please chip in if you're able. Especially <laughs> half of it does go to some really good causes. So um, just go to threemarmbrewing.com or check out Three Marm socials and you'll find the link to that fundraiser. Awesome. I also have a link um, in my link tree to um, to that as well. And we're okay, going to I got to get my donation into that because um, I'm totally going to support that. So. Yeah, same, same here. I will I will donate as well. Definitely. <laughs> so, Ronnie, what do you got? Uh, the only thing I have to plug is my Instagram, which is Ronnie underscore in underscore painterland. <laughs> um, I post my artwork there. I really need to post more because I've been busy with school and everything. But overall, I mean, I really just wanted to thank everybody for letting me take over your show for a hot minute to do this episode. <laughs> I only turned 21 once. I mean, just it, once. Uh, of course. Yeah, of course. But Unless I also. For me, I turned 21 until I hit 40 and then I decided I'll be 30 then. Yes. I was, every year we did 21 for me. Yeah. But uh, I, I mean, it's still, I just wanted to say thank you because I feel bad for shanghaiing your show and being like, so we're going to talk about my nonsense. Yeah, because we I hated gonna, it so much. We gave it a perfect what? score. Mom, you know I love horror, but I'm more of an anime nerd than you. <laughs> That's just what I am. But we I are, still. We are. But don't you want to talk about um, the prestigious school that you go to that you were. 
you know, ah, yes, my, reproduce your artwork? Yes, I, I go to Heron School of Art and Design at IUPUI, and I actually get paid to go due to my grades and how well I do in school. However, um, I also do paintings on the side and commission work on occasion if I can squeeze in the time. But overall, just thank you, everybody, for having me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad to have you. I mean, I would like to think so. Please come back. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, happy we'll birthday. Have her back. We happy like, birthday. We gotta get Zoe on there sometime too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is she as shy as you? Yeah, Zoe's not. Zoe's a lot like me. She does not like. She can talk about cinematography. Yeah, we'll see. We'll work. Yeah, she, doesn't, she doesn't like to be the center of attention. Yeah. Well, there's so many of us, you know. She could kind of just chime in. You know. I, we'll will, I, I will. Uh, yeah, that would be great. I'll have to bring that up to her. Yeah, yeah, we'll work that. on that. I guess that leaves me. Um, hmm. Okay, we've got um, Erica and I are partners with uh, Final Girl Cosmetics US, and that you can find in my link tree. Uh, we also have uh, an Instagram page. They just got going for it. Um, but you can go to my main Instagram, Candy the Final Girl, and I have my link tree there, and it has all the links. Um, it has links to the fundraisers for Six and Stones, um, to the Three Marm Brewing. It uh, also has um, the House of Screams uh, links. Uh, our Twitter is at House underscore Screams, but if you go there, you're going to also find the link tree, all the links. Uh, I do everything mostly on Instagram and Twitter. To promote um we're working really hard on getting traction we have a lot of really exciting things um coming for our horror makeup line it's beauty makeup but it is, it's all horror based and uh definitely a market that's been untapped until now and uh, we're very excited to to show you guys the, the designs that we stay on the phone for hours working on <laughs> so um we're just really excited. So I, I'm, I'm speaking for Erica, but uh, I assume she's excited. She seems to be excited. I'm super excited. Yeah. <laughs> We're having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. So um, I, I, I did like eyeshadow from our line and eyeliner from our line today too. So I, I yeah, I wear, green. I wear I wore every show. I wore some today too. Yeah, she's got it on. So I mean, it's really good stuff, and I'm a makeup snob. So if I'm saying it's good, it's good. Um, <laughs> you know. So. There's that. Um, so that's, that's my big, big plug um, other than this show. And um, thank you, listeners, uh, for making every episode a hit within 24 hours anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just it, it's just amazing how fast it happens before it was so slow. But now we just have, you know, you lovely listeners that immediately an episode comes out and we get all this excitement and, and free promo from everybody. They're like, oh, retweet. Yay. And and sometimes it's people who. So everybody involved in Psycho Goreman was really excited, and that so far is our biggest episode of this season um, at this time of recording. Um, but the, everybody in Psycho Goreman got involved in and in, in, you know said they, how much they enjoyed our episode about it, and we I had a lot of fun with that one. So that was a great one. We I have uh, we have just I'm just going to talk about with this week because we have a, a triple thing going on this week. Uh, you know we did this movie. Um, we are also recording Event Horizon. Uh, with Jenna coming back, um, who you, at this point you will have heard the episode before this, um, when all its releases. Um, and uh, we are doing a Ghoul's Night Out, um, which is The Craft. That's going to be some interesting uh, female <laughs> politics there. Yeah. <laughs> 
Mean Girls meets Witchcraft. <laughs> Get a little sociological, which is my kind of groove. Of course. So, yeah, we've got a lot of exciting things, and there, there's so much more. There's always so much more. Um, we're we're going to be busy bees. And when um, we are all meeting up at the Joe Bob event, and there were, there's going to be some exclusive, you know, videos of us together, um, pictures of things that, you know, we can take pictures of, but us together. Um, so we're going to be releasing those, maybe a little live. Hey, it's all of us from the House of Screams. So, you know, look forward to that coming up in July. Um I'm very, very excited. Mostly excited just to see everybody. We've all never met in person. <laughs> I mean, of course, like Nico has met like Rob, yeah. and him, but I mean, like the rest of us, like all of us together, we've all, most of us have never met in person. Although I feel like I know you all so very well, and you're my dear friends. So, you know, it's very exciting to me. That's the best part. I mean, just the Joe Bob sub is just like an added bonus for me. I'm gonna cry. Of coolness, guaranteed. So, Look forward to exciting things in July. But um, I guess that wraps us up. And um, I just found out some, uh, sorry, I'm going to interrupt. There's um, oh, a little bit of sad news out of, out of here. Um, oh. Desiree Gould, the actress that played Aunt Martha, passed away yeah. from Sleepaway oh, Camp. Really? Yeah. Felissa oh, just confirmed no. it on, on her. Yeah. Oh. I loved her performance. I loved her performance in that. It was just she was so, so yeah. Yeah. iconic in that. Yeah. Scene stealer, yes. Yeah, she was so amazing in that. Yeah, because I think we we praised her quite a bit when we did sleep late. Yeah. Yeah, talk about bringing her here. Sorry. She brought it. She brought her own vibe to that role. Yeah. Well. On that note. I feel really sad. No. Yeah, sorry. I just. No, it's okay. She literally just just put it up right now. Yeah, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, seen it right after. But um. Yeah, I'm definitely sad about that. And um, otherwise, though, uh, I will see you guys for Horizon, which I'm really, really pumped to talk about. Like, super yeah. pumped. More pumped it's than up. usual. And that's saying a lot, because I got, like, 100% all the time. This is, like, a 120% excited. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited to talk about Event Horizon. We're long overdue mm-hmm. to talk about it. And uh, we, we love talking about Sam Neill. So, you know, good time <laughs> to talk about madness. Yeah, 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 that's right. So, yeah, and, and Event Horizon is just really quite a show. So, anyway, you guys have a good night. Thank you so much for, for being here. I love all of you. And love you love guys. You guys. And happy, happy, happy birthday, Ronnie. Happy Thank birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday. Woo-hoo. Oh, yeah. You're going to get lit on Wednesday. Yes. Oh, God, I want to like, say yes. that. Woo-hoo. Love you guys. Bye. 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 Bye.